Here it comes. It's the Music City Real Estate Show with Andrew Buckwalter. Coming to you from his roving camper studio, The Rambler, in Nashville, Tennessee. Join us as we travel about town to discover the best real estate in areas you want to know about. With expert advice, finding the best deals, and meeting Music City's hit makers and emerging artists who call Nashville their home. And now, here's Andrew. Hello, Nashville, and all you listeners out there. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode five. I am super excited about this episode as I get to interview and introduce the first nonprofit I'll be partnering with in real estate. It is Tennessee Voices for Children, and I'll be sitting down with the CEO, Ricky Harris, and learning all about their organization, and you'll be able to have all kinds of insight and information into what they do in the Middle Tennessee area and surrounding counties and how you can help out with their organization. And just a recap as to why I am featuring a nonprofit each month. I'm partnering with them, and every closing I have for that month, I'll be donating some proceeds to the nonprofit. Also, every referral I get for the month, I'll be making a donation in honor of the referee. And then I'll also be coordinating an outreach project for that month. And if it's not something where physically you can get involved, then we'll be featuring, you know, another way that you can get involved for that month. Good morning, Nashville. I am sitting here with Ricky Harris. She is the CEO of Tennessee Voices for Children. Um, they actually just opened a new office in Gillettsville. Yes. And uh, it took me a second because they're so close to Gillettsville and Andersonville. It's, I know. You know um, All the bills. Do I? All, All the bills. Yeah, there's yeah. a ton of those. Yeah. So anyways, I'm sitting here with her. Tennessee Voices for Children is going to be the first nonprofit that I feature in my podcast and that I partner with um, in real estate. And actually, it's a pretty good month because I have quite a few closings. So (laughs) benefit. Awesome. And then excited to get the word out. I am actually, I was on the, I was an intern Mm -hmm. for a year on the board. Mm -hmm. So I got to learn how a successful, efficient board works Mm -hmm. and actually a lot of excitement with it too. Yeah. Bama had, had, uh, I reached out to her to, you know, hey, where could I possibly intern at? And she was obviously on the board. She might have had yeah. a little bias, but I also think she knew how well you guys were working together and, yeah. you know, kind of some of the changes and stuff like that. So, yep. um, so it's been exciting to just sit back really and just watch and learn a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, has she told you about the impending nomination? She did. Okay, good. <laughs> well, now that was the one where I got to that. Now you're talking about for I'm talking you. about for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I did. Okay. Okay. I was like, oh, no, that's, that's later, right? No. Um, no. Yeah, so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm we're going to rope you in. To really, like, yeah. now give input. Because then it's still, you know, when I, I just kind of sit back. And now it's like, oh, I'll be ready to change there you everything. Go. Okay. All right, Andrew. <laughs> totally kidding. We're, bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> All right. So, Ricky, so tell us a little bit about Tennessee Voices for Children. Um, I know I had jotted down the mission statement. Tennessee Voices for Children uh, provides leadership support and services that promote voice, hope, and empowerment for the emotional and behavioral well-being of children, youth, and their families. So, 
how about uh, just talk to me a little bit about Tennessee Voices yeah, for Children okay. and expound on that. So in 1986, Tipper Gore was working here in Nashville and had such a passion for mental health advocacy. And she's got a story about why that is that she loves to tell. And basically the story is she had a friend who shared with her that she had a daughter who had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And around the same time, Tipper's son had been involved in an accident, had some physical injuries. And so they were sharing some stories and and Tipper was talking about the amount of support that the community community had provided her and her family, babysitting meals, helping out, you know, there were some significant physical injuries. So there was a lot of care needed for her son. And this friend of hers shared that she was experiencing quite the opposite Mm. because her daughter's needs were mental health related and not physical health related. It was very apparent to her the stigma and misunderstanding Mm. around mental health needs of children. And so this sort of impassioned Tipper and off she went. And in 1986, what started as a coalition of folks interested in really helping kids with mental health needs get their education needs met get you know their all their needs met from all the systems that they were involved in in a few years became Tennessee Voices for Children and has been an advocacy organization ever since so we know today that one in five children have a mental health disorder and the statistics continue to go up i mean 10 years ago it was 25% percent were not getting the help they need. Within the last five years, it's 49% aren't getting the help they need. I've seen some new data looking more like 65 to 67% percent aren't getting the help they need. So we're not getting better. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like we're getting, the needs are growing and the identification of the need are, are not happening. So we've got, we've, we've got a lot of work ahead of us to right. get done for yeah. children and meeting their mental health needs. So that's what we do. We yeah. have programs to, to do that. Okay, yeah. cool. And I know y'all, y'all obviously work with a lot of the other mental health nonprofits around yes. as well. Yes, we, we are nothing without our partners. Mm-hmm. So our, our agency is really meant to resource families into the help they need. Sometimes the, our programs address their needs. Sometimes our programs plus other partners' programs are what's needed. So that, that's, that's our job is to get them resourced. Okay. So, yeah, our partners mean everything. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so as far as the services you all provide, are they, you know, just around Nashville? Is it Middle Tennessee? Where, how far is your reach? Great question. We serve all 95 counties of the state. So in some capacity, we touch every single county with a service. The largest service touching the most counties is our statewide family support network. And in that service, there's a 1-800 number that people can call and just begin the process of finding resources. So it may be, you know, hey, my child was just diagnosed and I don't really know where to start on what kind of services are needed. We get those calls a lot. The, the, the second most common call we get is, hey, my child was diagnosed and there's some educational needs that aren't getting met. How do we ask the school for what we need? We go either into the school and help them ask for those needs to be met, or we coach them on how to write a letter or make a phone call to get the process started. So a lot of the different counties, I know we're in Wilson County mm-hmm. and our, our middle child, Graham, he had some IEPs mm-hmm. and uh, it was pretty crazy. I mean, we'd go in meetings and there'd be like 10 people there. So yeah. they really took it serious. Yeah. So is it, it's a very 
on different counties, I guess, money and stuff like that as far as why, like, obviously we wouldn't have needed to service because Wilson County took care of it. Mm-hmm. But obviously other counties, that's whenever they can reach out to. Yeah, every school has different, you know, resources and people to meet those needs. It really depends on how many people are in the county, how many people can support the youth, how willing the county is or the school is to work with the parents. We find most schools are very happy to work with us and to help get the parents' needs or the child's needs met through the Mm -hmm. parents' advocacy. But, I mean, let's be real. Sometimes there's trouble getting where we need to go. Our goal is to just collaboratively end up in the right place. Mm -hmm. So, Okay. So tell me a little bit about, I know y'all have several different programs. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, sitting in some of the board meetings, mm-hmm. um, I've heard some of them. And I know last, uh, last, last board meeting, mm-hmm. it was pretty exciting to hear about the, uh, the screening and yes. you know, stuff like that. So I guess tell us a little bit more. Yeah. So aside from Statewide Family Support Network, there's some specific programming. All of our programs are community-based. So that means we're delivering the services in the homes or the community schools, churches, et cetera, where our clients live. And so one of our programs is called the Screen program. And we are right now just in Middle Tennessee, but we're hoping to expand into East and West uh, Tennessee. We go into the school and we provide a screening opportunity for middle school and high school age youth. And that screen captures a lot of information at once. They go in front of a computer, answer a lot of questions. We're gathering data about their mental health needs. Is there a risk of substance abuse? Is there a risk of suicide? Are there physical health needs that are unmet? Our goal is to find out what needs are unmet and then resource them into some ways to meet those needs. But over everything else in that program, we're trying to find those silent, those youth who are silently struggling with suicide. Mm-hmm. And it's a life-saving program because every screen we do, there is at least one, but often more, who admit on a screen they haven't told anyone that they're thinking about suicide. And that's a scary, that's a mm-hmm. scary thing. And we know that youth face stigma and face bullying and face lots of pressures in their um, teenage years and oftentimes don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So this is a way to get at the information and quickly resource a student who may be struggling mm-hmm. with a truly a life-threatening issue. And I found it interesting, too, when she was talking about some of the ones that they screened were ones that from an outside appearance, they have it all together, you know, yes. yet internally, which obviously we see that with some actors and, mm-hmm. you know, some famous people who seem to, I mean, they got it all in some eyes, but mm-hmm. they're missing so much internally, you know. So that was yeah. interesting to just be able to catch that, you mm-hmm. know, on the front end, too. Well, and it's scary because because of stigma, our society, I think, views mental health in only one category. And it's a really, it, it, in their mind, it looks really bad. But mental health is not just one diagnosis or one specific issue. And and that's the part that you heard Anna Claire, our clinical director, presenting about finding those youth who are, you know, straight A students, um, head of the cheerleading squad or athletically very successful, well-known by their teachers, well-loved by their peers and parents, but are struggling with pressure that they've not talked about. And when the pressure builds 
and builds and builds or the anxiety starts to grow or the fear of failure becomes so intense. It's, it's not out of the question that suicide becomes a thought in their mind. And, mm-hmm. and, and yes, you're exactly right. That's sort of the ones that we were, we were talking about that often go unidentified because there's not a behavioral component doesn't mean there's not an emotional mm-hmm. struggle. So I'm just thinking if there are parents that have a concern for their kids, mm-hmm. is there a place that they can go, like either associated with Tennessee Voices for Children or to just do a pre-screening like that without it being at their school? So we would lo- I would love to say that they could come and do our screens. And maybe one day that's where we end up, that our vision would be to do these screens in clinics and hospitals or crisis you know, units or things like that. Right now we're just in schools, but it doesn't mean that the parent can't be proactive in finding resources in advance of any concerns. And so they can always call us at our 1-800 number, Mm 1-800-670-9882, or look us up on the web at tnvoices.org and begin to ask some questions about how to talk to their child about mental health, how to find out if they have needs. And and it's so dependent upon the specific circumstances as to where we might point the direction we might point them in. Mm -hmm. But I can assure you our people know how to get them where they need to go very quickly. Should you say that three more times, that Uh, 1-800 number? Yeah, (laughs) 1-800-670-9882. Because it three times it gets in the brain, right? So how about some other programs? Yeah. Will works on a project called Healthy Transitions, and that's in partnership with the state And they work to really bridge the gap of services between youth who are exiting the child-serving system and entering the adult-serving system. And what we know today is the services look vastly different for children versus adults. And navigating those changes is a tough thing to do on your own when you're 18 years old. And so how do we then support our transition, what we call transition age youth, to get them continue to get the mental health supports much like they received in their child serving systems, ensure their success and safety going forward in the adult system. So yeah, Will's very passionate about that. They have a group of young adults who work at advocating, speaking out, making sure that young adults know what their how to get their needs met in mm-hmm. that transition. So that's one. We we also work with. Uh, all the way to the other end of the spectrum of young adults, we work with babies. So we have programs for zero to five. And people say, what in the world do you have to do with mental health and an infant? There's a lot going on in infancy. It's a critical time. And so what we know is if there are specific needs of the family or the baby, addressing it as early as possible is going to get the most bang for your buck long term in Mm -hmm. terms of like, making sure the child has what they need to grow and feed that brain in those zero to five years, because mm-hmm. that's when the brain is doing the most growth that we'll do. Now, how, did, how do you get connected with that need? Is it through schools again, preschools? Preschools or, okay. are a target for that. We do work in preschools providing consultation to teachers, sometimes doing some individual observations of children to help create a plan, help the teachers mm-hmm. craft a plan that would address the child's needs. So that's that's the that's the biggest way. But all of our providers in our in home services are well trained on early childhood. So mm-hmm. we okay. don't we don't have a limit on if you come in needing some additional support and we provide that to you in your home, your child can be zero to, you know, eighteen right. for that for that program. So 
We love our babies. We yeah. love our babies. <laughs> any other? What? Any other? Yeah, there. I mean, I know you, we definitely. Yeah, we definitely span the range zero to twenty-five, and we try to provide resources to parents. But another big thing that we do is training, and we do professional training, but we also do parent training. So if parents are experiencing a lot of needs in the mental health mental health needs for their child what we train them to do is be advocates for their child and so how can they long term continue to ensure all the support that's needed is being provided to their child so there's there's multiple training opportunities for parents as well as professionals Mm -hmm. and then we provide one of our largest programs an in-home program is family support and that is literally a peer who is providing the service to a parent. So that peer is a parent of a child with mental health needs who has navigated the system, understands what needs need to be met, and has some specific training to then help another parent who's just beginning that process. Mm-hmm. And and that's sort of one of those we continue to, we, we hope continues to fold over and over and over because there's, an, there's now a market and positions available for people who want to just, be advocates and help mm-hmm. other moms and dads be advocates. And so we're seeing that field grow in terms of your uh, peer support and job opportunities popping up mm-hmm. around the state for people who want to give back to their peers in that way. Right. It's a really, it's a really, you know, it's one of those that grabs your heart when you see that process at work because it's mom to mom or dad to dad saying, man, I've been there. Mm-hmm. Let me help you walk this road. Right, it's pretty right. cool. Yeah. yeah, just taking a taking a time to be. I, I guess is it being <clears throat> open and transparent with the people around mm-hmm. you when you see stuff, or just in general talking about your life. I know, I know, mm-hmm. you know. I've seen some scenarios to where somebody was quiet and we're, they were dealing with stuff like that, and it was just amazing. You know, once you open up and kind of reach out for help, mm-hmm. really, how many other people are dealing with some of this Absolutely. stuff? How many other people, you know, other parents are sitting there and don't know what to do with their kid, but they're too embarrassed potentially mm-hmm. to reach out. So that's a great avenue, you know, for parents who have know of you or have used your services to mm-hmm. be advocates for you to absolutely. spread the word. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, something that strikes me as we're talking about this we have so many parents who reach out to us for that help who haven't talked to their families or their their friend groups about this, just mm-hmm. like you're saying. Right. And part of it is just the fear of judgment on the part of the parent. So two things are happening. When a child has mental health needs in many systems, those needs are being addressed specifically with the child. And what we know is that the whole family is dealing with those needs in a different way each in a different way. Mm -hmm. So moms and dads need support. Siblings need support. Um, Maybe they need some training to understand the the diagnosis. Maybe they need some education on how to adapt their parenting to meet the needs of the child. The other thing that happens is um, I think we have a stigma in in our society around parent blame. Mm -hmm. So we stopped seeing mental health like we see physical health. Or maybe we never saw it the way we should. But that if a child has... A diagnosis of diabetes, we, we're more inclined to um, feel something different for that family than if a child is diagnosed with, let's say, ADHD and makes them behaviorally a little more challenging right, in the classroom. Right. Unfortunately, what, what a society does is say, man, that parent needs to get a handle 
mm-hmm. that child. And that's mm-hmm. just so ground. It's grounded in such ignorance of the issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't, we haven't, we haven't done enough education. We haven't done enough in our society to reduce stigma. And I'm really excited because our founder, Tipper Gore, has just nationally sort of re-emerged in her advocacy efforts and is talking a lot about it's time. Mm-hmm. It's time to speak up for children's mental health. It's time to speak up and make sure that kids are getting what they need. And it's, it's time to stop blaming everybody mm-hmm. else for the problem. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, which I noticed you said you obviously had the 800 number. And then... Remind me other ways that they can they can yes. to get these services. Do yes. they reach to the schools or what's the means they, of? They really should call us at one eight hundred six seven zero nine eight eight two, or reach out um, on the website tinvoices.org. There's a contact page there. Um, they can you know if they're more comfortable reaching us that way. Mm-hmm. They can ask their schools if we're in the school. They can also, if they're on TenCare, they can ask for our services through TenCare because we do have some services available to our TenCare population. But our services are for really for anyone. So that one eight hundred number and those resource calls can be anyone from any walk of life. Well, and then plus, since you're connected with so many other, you know, mental health mm-hmm. nonprofits, you can always steer them in this direction, or direction if you know it's out of your hands for sure. Um, so talk to me a little bit more about some of the accomplishments um, of the organization this year. Yeah. Well, when it, I guess my my first um, thing that happened this year was we tried, worked really hard our first try at accreditation. Mm-hmm. And specifically that accreditation is the Commission on um, Accreditation for Rehabilitation Facilities. That's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. We're going to say CARF for short. Um, in a nutshell, it's it's for behavioral health organizations and um we have never been accredited so we made this a goal and we got the highest rating for our accreditation or the highest level of accreditation with an exemplary rating and peer support we were overjoyed and felt like that was one of our biggest wins this year mm-hmm. but the other stuff that has happened in the last couple of years that is growing in, in its success is our green ribbon gala and our it's a black tie event it happens at the West End Nashville. It last year was the first year we raised a hundred thousand dollars, so we're doing it again. Um, what's most exciting about that growth is the people that are jumping on board to help us mm-hmm. plan it. Because when volunteers come and help us plan an event like that, reduces staff time, it reduces our expenses, and just raises the level that we're able to be you know to raise. So we're um, we're sort of we decided this year that all of our funds raised would go to the youth screen project. And that was motivated because we're limited to middle Tennessee in our capacity to serve through our contracts um, with the department and there's funding constraints on the state. So they, they can't expand and we, we get that. So we said, let's get the community involved in helping us move this um, outside of just the middle Tennessee area and reach the East and the West. So we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're going for it. We're yeah. going to try to raise the funds to begin that expansion process. Yeah, it, it, I, I recall um, when y'all talked about the um, accomplishments of the gala last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. You know, a big part was actually there were so many people that y'all didn't, or I hadn't, one, hadn't heard of you. But two, it wasn't like, I know a lot of nonprofits, they have the same, you know, they do one or two events each year. And a lot of times they have the same people coming, right? Mm-hmm. So. 
a lot of times it's already people that know about the nonprofit, mm-hmm. but this reached a whole new kind of crowd and opened up the eyes to what you guys do as well, right? You're exactly right. And that was probably, I mean, it gives me chills to think about. We didn't, that was something we didn't expect, but was such a beautiful gift that mm-hmm. we went beyond um, our our normal reach and the room was full. We, we maxed out at about 300 guests and the room was full of people we had never met before. And that just warmed our hearts because we got to tell the story of um, the founding because Tipper Gore was our speaker, our keynote mm-hmm. speaker last year. And so we got to introduce them from a very primary place where it all began. And the person who decided to start the whole thing told that story. And we were able to engage uh, new supporters. Mm-hmm. And look, that's donations, but that's also volunteers. That's also new board members. That's people plugging in to help in a meaningful way across many different organizational programs. So it was really exciting mm-hmm. to see that room full of people who didn't know us. Right. Yeah. And then obviously as much as you love that, you love your, your normal consistent Absolutely. Supporters. And our supporters are the reason those people showed up in the room. Right. I mean, our supporters knew that, look, they can keep attending and they will, mm-hmm. but in order to expand and grow in our, constituency mm-hmm. of donors and volunteers we have they had to invite their friends and their colleagues and mm-hmm. that's what they did mm-hmm. and and they brought tables full of people and they're they're primarily the reason why which we filled that a, room which speaks a lot for just the organization you know how well it's doing mm-hmm. people get excited about it of course they want to share and you know, all that stuff absolutely so i thought it was cool too the last board meeting we were at um, patrick you know made a very um, verbal, what's the word? Plea. <laughs> yeah. um, just that all all board members, Appeal. you know, be um, involved in the process, mm-hmm. you know, because I know I'm sure there's, um, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits and you can have board members that are on there forever just to say they're a part of it and mm-hmm. are not really involved. Mm-hmm. So I know that's one thing that um, y'all are definitely trying to make a priority that everybody get involved in one way or another. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, our board is really impassioned about um, our growth that's happening. And one mm-hmm. of those pieces of growth is this gala. And so, like you said, th- their willingness to jump on board and say, who can we bring with us to this event and begin introducing them to this organization that we love and support and help them see what we see. So yeah, Patrick Sims um, from Service First Bank and Vince Foster from Sir Speedy Berry Hill on our board are the co-chairs this year. And man, are they? Do they? I didn't know they actually have jobs outside of what they're doing. Because <laughs> right. it seems like all they're doing is hitting the pavement and getting excited and getting right. people on board. And you know, we we don't think they have jobs <laughs> outside, but they do. Although their employers might not want to hear that, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, lucky for us, both of them have employers who are very supportive okay, good, of their good. involvement and. I know Bradford Vieira at Service First Bank, the CEO and president of the bank, has been so kind to me and um, so supportive of our work. They sponsored the gala last year. They're sponsoring again this year. Same with Sir Speedy Berry Hill. Their owners, Steve and Pam, have just been good to us since the beginning. And that Mm -hmm. beginning was about six years ago when we ordered our first print material from Sir Speedy. And that relationship has blossomed 
to where it is today. And this is exactly why we continue doing what we're doing in growing our fundraising efforts because it, it takes years mm-hmm, to get right. the kind of relationship that we have with our supporters. But when we get to the place where our supporters are helping bring in more supporters, the, that's priceless. Mm-hmm. That's priceless. It's like the residual supporters yes. network. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. So uh, recently before the board meeting, um, I got an email and it was announcing something about you. Oh, and then there was a gazillion people that were replying and giving you congrats. And I know, you know, as um, as I've gotten to know you, you seem very humble. So obviously you wouldn't just go, hey, check me out yeah. with what I got. No. But <laughs> but tell me about the uh, award yes. that you're nominated for. Okay, so I, I was so honored to be nominated um, by one of our board members for a Nashville Emerging Leader Award. And that's the Chamber of Commerce. Okay. Um. I was a finalist in 2014, had been nominated, um, was nominated again this year. Actually, tonight, there's a networking event to meet the finalists and the judges at the Cordell in Nashville, five to seven, if you want to come. Okay. And um, we'll we'll be meeting all the people who are involved. But here's the thing. There's five finalists in a, across about eight or nine categories, and um, mine was in the community nonprofit category. And out of the five of us, We'll have a great party. We'll 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 get to meet all the chamber supporters and the chamber CEO. And um, I have a nice plaque from 2014. But out of the five, one finalist will be awarded, and that'll happen on August 3rd. And you know, he, here's what's so, so humbling about that to to have the support of a board and constituents who donate. Um, as the CEO continues to motivate me because at the end of the day, my work is straight out of the passion of my heart. Mm -hmm. And so while there's internal motivators, there's also stress and feelings of like, man, taking a risk and I hope this works. And to have um, supporters that cheer me on by nominating me for things like this just adds a, a, a sweet layer of like, Keep it up. Um, mm-hmm. Continue the work you're doing. We appreciate it. And so it's so it's so nice to be honored right. in that way. Yeah. Well, I'm sure just like I know um, several years back, my wife and I in our uh, Sunday school class, we were um, heading up the outreach around Nashville. Mm. And, uh, you know, there was May. It was eye opening how many nonprofits there are around Nashville. I mean, oh, my to goodness. Big to small, everything. Um, but. You know, just made me think about kind of everything you just said and what gets you excited is a lot of what gets people excited and moving forward and everything is so many people get involved and mm-hmm. get excited about it mm-hmm. too. Because, you know, yeah. if you reach out and you're doing all this stuff and nobody shows up, and it's even like, even though you know, hey, you know, I got to do this. Like, for for example, like doing this whole podcast thing. Mm-hmm. Um you know, my goal is not to be like, oh, hey, you got a thousand, you know, people that are following this. And that. If it happens, great. Um, but I also can't have that mindset because if you just um, gauge it on the involvement and activity, mm-hmm. you could get discouraged, you know, and uh, not keep moving forward. So I guess there's just that balance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have the passion because um, as you were talking about that, we didn't kind of go into your your history or your education, because mm-hmm. um, a lot of that is all about, you know, what you're doing. But so you have that natural um, kind of calling, mm-hmm. excitement, 
Um, and it just makes it even that much better that you have so much more people supporting you Absolutely. and involved. And, you know, it just, it's like a massive uh, ball rolling, you know, mm -hmm. just picking up all kinds of people, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I feel like it's hard not to be um, successful. And I, well, so let me say this first. I think it's hard not to be successful when you're doing what you know mm -hmm. God's called you to do. Yeah. The second thing I would say about success is we let other people define success. So you have to define success. And, and for me, it's this is it. Mm -hmm. the doing for me, doing what God's called me to do and gave me passion for. Right. Success. Right. I'll, I, I'm not looking to be, you know, a million dollar right. CEO. I'm looking to be a CEO who leads people who care. Mm -hmm. And the people who work for Tennessee Voices care more than anybody I know. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the cool thing, too, is I was sitting there thinking there's so many people that, you know, are behind a desk or, you know, manufacturing jobs or whatever. And there's just so many avenues that even if you feel that you're in that setting and you can't because you obviously can just touch a lot of lives. I meet a lot of people. You know, I can touch a lot of lives. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one reason why I'm doing this with the nonprofits, because I want to give the opportunity for other people, you know, that don't know about some of the nonprofits, mm -hmm. um, the opportunity to get involved or to give, you know, or just to learn about yes. a service like this, yes. you know, that who, you know, several listeners could be sitting home and, and are clueless of, hey, my kid's, you know, acting out or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but the cool thing is, is even if you're in that environment, you don't have that opportunity, you know, in an eight-hour workday to touch alive um first of all you can you know mm -hmm. in that setting but two you know just reach out outside of that and um get involved in some nonprofits. you know because it it i think it's you know if you're in a it i'm kind of rambling but it's just as thoughts <laughs> come to mind because a lot of times if you are stuck in mm -hmm. a lot of cases and you're dealing with anxiety or depression um uh a, a big part is reaching out for help but another part too is just reaching out outside of yourself mm -hmm. giving to others you know yeah. that's a big part that will help yeah and for people with mental health not allowing mental health to define them so going back mm -hmm. to like your right. de your definition of success it, managing your illness just like you would manage diabetes mm -hmm. uh, managing depression and not defining yourself as um, depressed so you'll hear people say oh, she's bipolar, but you don't hear people say, oh, she's cancer. Mm -hmm. We, we, we got to fix some of that because right. it, it's, it's becoming um, so difficult for people to admit that they have anxiety or depression or struggles because we allow it to define who they are. And it's just not, it's, mm -hmm. it's a symptom. Which is interesting too. It makes me think of, um, who's, what's the guy that's on the ten, um, suicide prevention? Oh. Yeah, Scott Ridgeway. Scott, yeah. yeah. I was talking to him one I day. I lunched we were, with him we're, today. Okay. <laughs> Tell him I said hi. We were talking about Facebook and, you know, just because you think about, um, so reach out. Don't let this stigma define you. Mm -hmm. um, and talk to people. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, if you're so involved in social media, but use Facebook, yeah. for example, and it's usually positive, and, you know, you put on this persona that everything's so great mm -hmm. usually mm -hmm. um and just like talking to him he was like and i can't remember exactly words he said but it's been a big influence on just the stress and the pressure of kids you know having to um keep that 
I guess, persona mm-hmm. that they portray to everybody when the reality is, you know, they're, they need to be crying out for help. Yeah. You know? And this is why people like Scott are supporters of TBC and we're supporters of what Scott does at the Tennessee Suicide Prevention Network mm-hmm. because it takes all of us to change those messages. And we all agree that we have to change the messages. And I think what people, what our effort to push into the business community like you is to say, we understand you're in real estate, but you can make a big difference and mm-hmm. an impact on this because it, it's just mental health folks saying it, then there's only a certain number of people listening. But when the community's grabbing a hold right. and saying, reduce that stigma, talk about what, what your needs are, don't be embarrassed or ashamed, um, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a bigger impact. Right. We need you. We need business people. We need people who have a platform to right. talk about it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So what is a way, you know, talking about people getting involved with nonprofits and stuff, what's a way that people can support Tennessee Voices for Children? So we talked about how people can call and get their needs met. And I don't want to lose the fact that our number one goal and mission Mm -hmm. is to meet the needs of children who have mental health challenges. Second, we have to raise the funds to do some of that work. And so giving is a great way. Donating. um, That can be done on our website, tnvoices.org. Volunteerism. We have tons of opportunities. They may not be opportunities to work directly with families because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of privacy issues related to the work we do. But opportunities to impact the funds raised to do that, opportunities to impact our capacity to expand the work we do, we definitely can use that kind of support. So corporations who have volunteer days or volunteer opportunities are great supports for us. But individuals who just call us up because their heart is in it are um, also extremely helpful mm-hmm. because we get to meet more, more impassioned people mm-hmm. who um, care from a very personal place. Mm-hmm. And that's when we get really excited when right. they tell us their story and tell us why mental health matters to them. Right. Yeah. Cool. And coming to the gala. Yes. I mean, if you love black tie and you want to have a great night, the Weston Nashville's our our sponsor for the event, um, our, our headlining sponsor, and they are going to provide a really nice experience. Mm-hmm. Last year, they blew us away. They and blew us away. October. October twenty first. And there'll be auction. It, there will be a huge auction. So yeah. both silent and on, live auction. Are you doing online at all? We are. Okay. Yeah. And so a week before the event, we'll have an auction that goes up online, silent auction. Anybody can participate. You don't have to be present at the gala. That can be found on our website mm-hmm. a, the week before, October 21st. So, yeah, you can buy tickets there, participate in our auction there, um, and, and just figure out how else you can plug in there at tnvoices.org. Right. Right. Yeah. And then obviously speaking of all the businesses, because they can get involved now in that process, because I know you are working right now, getting a lot of uh, donations and yep. stuff for the silent auctions. So. Absolutely. Okay. So tell us a little about you um, as far as like, what do you like to do? Um, aside I mean, from outside from working. Your work. <laughs> um, what little bit of time is left? Um, no, I, I have two wonderful children. I've been married for 15 years in August. Nice. And um, my daughters are like my life. How old are they? Remind me. Six and nine. Okay. Yeah. 
So my husband and I try to do as much family time as humanly possible. We both work full time and he's also in the mental health field. Mm -hmm. Um, Go figure. We Mm -hmm. met in college, the psychology department. Um, So aside from that, we spend our weekends, um, you know, we love our church at Long Hollow Baptist Church. We we, actually somebody quoted uh, um, the pastor. I forget what it was, but it was pretty good. I heard his. Actually, one of the guys, um, the mastermind group that I'm a part of, mm-hmm. Aaron Walker. Mm-hmm. Does that name sound familiar? It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he goes there and he interviewed Robbie. Oh, yeah. And I was like, man, I wish I lived in Hendersonville. So I would be. You should just come on over from Mount Juliet. I know. I know. <laughs> um, he, yeah. Yeah. You would love That's it. Yeah. Cool. I don't know what else to say. We, yeah. it, we His sermons are incredible. Yeah. Um, but you can always watch them online. Yes. So. But so aside from that, we we do our best to um, spend a ton of time with the girls, and that involves like you know loving our outdoor. We're a little mm-hmm. outdoorsy. We have a pond. We like to fish. Nice. We love to swim um, in the pool. And for the summer, we've decided no extracurriculars. It's complete chill time, family time. Nobody running to this practice mm-hmm. or that practice. We're taking two months off. And we're doing family all summer long. So outside of that, I mean, I I love cars. So oh, this yeah? is weird. Do you? Yeah. Nice. Um, so, or yeah. maybe it's not weird. I don't know. No, it's <laughs> actually my wife likes cars. We both like cars. Yeah, I, I would. If I had the time, I'd probably attend every car okay, show that cool. that I, that comes to town. Um, right. Unfortunately, I don't get to do that. I didn't. I know. I know. It was. Now, what kind of old, exotic, everything? So, everything is a love. But one day, Andrew, I'm going to own a 1969, you're going to laugh, Okay, Firebird. Nice. Ah, I like those. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about with the big wings? Yep. I want the wings and the whole thing. Out of all the (laughs) that's the coolest one. It's the coolest one. So, 1969 is sort of the classic one. And then my second favorite that... I have to also have, so maybe they're equally favorite, is the 1980, the year I was born. Okay. Oh, there we go. You know my age. Um, the 1980 Firebird. It's, you know, the classic silver with the black Firebird on the hood and the long nose. Right. And, yeah. Now, would would that replace your convertible Ferrari I noticed oh, you're stop. driving right no. now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I had a Ferrari. Listen, I, um, I so exotic cars are fun. I, I love the old sort of... Yes. Um, when I say old, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. So there's a little sweet spot in my heart for things like a Mitsubishi 3000 GT. Okay, yeah. Do you, you have the picture yeah, in your mind? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I used to love those. Oh, my goodness. You know, and that that just, those kind of cars wife, speak to me. <laughs> my wife had a Mitsubishi Diamante. Uh-huh, and it was, yeah. I think it was about when she got out of college. And, oh, it was nice. It it floated on airbags. It had all these buttons and sports and everything. What? And it was great until it started smoking like a cigarette. I mean, literally, it was like everywhere you went, it was a money pit. Wow. So that kind of burnt me from Mitsubishi. Yeah. Um, but yes, I always liked the, the 3000 GT. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I've always loved I, cars. Yeah. I, I told somebody the other day, I said, I can remember um, one summer visiting my dad in Greenville, South Carolina. And I remember there's something about, I don't know, maybe it was just the area, but there was... I would just walk through parking lots. I'm like, ooh, a BMW, uh-huh, a Mercedes, a Volvo. Uh-huh. Just, and it was just crazy. But And I wanted to design cars. Like, I drew cars. I wanted to design cars. I went to college. Um, but I wasn't ever serious. Um, so, and I'm actually now, 
So I got this minivan uh-huh. that's pulling this camper right. out. Um, and my car, which I, I like and enjoy, it was stolen a couple weeks ago. What? But they end up finding it. And I was intending to actually trade it before it happened. So it actually would have worked out great. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but but now <laughs> now I'm trying to mentally switch gears because we're trying to make sure we're being good stewards of mm-hmm. our finances. Well, yes. and lovely job of being parents. <laughs> you know that doesn't allow you to get everything you want. Right. And uh, no. So I had my mindset on like a forerunner, and and I'm I, I'm kind of in the midst of I don't know what I'm gonna get. Yeah. You know because I need something to pull this this camp around. Yeah. Um. But yes, I love cars, and I, I'm I like. Uh, I was actually uh, Hudson, our two-year-old. He mm-hmm. was lining up cars yesterday, and uh, I pulled out the Aston Martin DB5. Oh, I'm wow. like, oh wow, convertible. Yeah. That's what I'd want. Yeah, I kind of like the different ones, you know. Yeah, but I do, uh, and I'm not tagging on to because you said that, but I have always liked the Bandits. The Bandits. Yeah, car, I know. You know, I know. They just look really cool. <laughs> and if somebody gave me a choice, like because I'm not gonna lie, I mean, I loved, I love the Range Rover or. Um, you know, like the Bugatti or something. Right. But if somebody Actually, gave I, me, I heard, uh, I heard one of the, I can't remember who it is. Uh, one of the country singers, Luke Bryan or somebody, somebody recently got a Bugatti. Really? Yeah. And a Tesla. Let me, let me say yeah, too, Teslas too. are very intriguing. The whole idea of the electric car. Here's why, while I love the Tesla and the electric car idea, here's why I'd still take the Firebird over the Tesla. I love fast and loud. I okay. love that rumble. <laughs> I love that rumble. You know, when it's so loud, you right. can't even hear each other talking. And it's just, yeah. I've, I always, li- I've always liked the Mustang exhaust. Yeah. The sound yeah. that they have. It's nice and mm-hmm. smooth, you know. Yeah. Um, Doesn't sound funny. like it needs mechanical work. It just sounds like it's yeah. fast. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> okay. So now that, uh, let's switch gears a little bit more. Okay. I know you recently... I don't know if you recently, but you purchased a home and yeah, you fixed it up. We and did stuff like two that. years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, any uh, any real estate tips you would like to pass on to buyers in this great Nashville market? Wow, I mean, look, real estate's your thing and not mine. But from a strict layperson buyer's um, standpoint, um, we were really excited to do our first, I guess, major remodel to a home. We typically bought fairly new homes not we we only built one house and that was back back in texas but um fairly new homes that needed very little work that were pretty up to date and you know that kind of thing of course the whole diy like everything out Mm -hmm. there about redoing your own home and chip and joe and everything that Mm -hmm. they do i think everybody thinks like let's get into this and like have some fun right so the thought was the plan was buy low spend as you know moderate to remodel and enjoy and the motivation for the one of the motivations for the home we bought was property we wanted to have that pond and Mm -hmm. and that pool and the space for the girls to run around and enjoy a sort of a childhood like my husband i had that was not city bound so we're we're kind of country folks from Mm -hmm. mississippi and um and and texas but anyway so in hindsight, would I change anything? I might go back and just go ahead and spend the money and buy the home because it never is that when you carve out that budget for remodel, I, I don't know that anybody, it's darn near impossible right. to stay in that budget and not go over. Mm-hmm. Um, 
all the surprises in, in an older home, stuff that just, you know, right. stops working. And depending if you're a perfectionist <laughs> or not, some yeah. would just go, ah, I'm yeah. done. But that yeah. was like when I was rehabbing this, it was like, but I need this. And yeah. I'll tell you, every time I drive it, something, I'm like, ah, uh -huh. like actually this piece of wood had fallen off. Because of how yeah. I have it, you could actually pull them off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, yeah. it depends on um, probably... Because there's some that you'll look at some homes and you can tell they just haven't finished at all. But yeah. if you have that mindset of that, it's got to be all done, that's whenever you're, it's like. you're, Yeah, you're exactly right. I would say here's my tip to buyers. And if you're buying an older home with this idea of remodel, take, take the realtor's offer for a warranty. Mm. Our realtor kept saying, you know, you, you, sh you should probably think about purchasing a warranty this is an older home. Nah, we're remodeling. You know, we've got this budget for remodel. We'll take care of anything. Look, the bottom line is we should have got the warranty because everything that would have right. been covered by the warranty has broken within the last, you know, two years. And, and most of them within the first right. year, which was covered in the warranty. Right. So take the warranty. It's, it's funny you say that because today... Um, the podcast that's being released is sitting down with Emily Daniel with Choice Home Warranty. Okay. So talking about a home warranty. Awesome. Um, Do and, it. You know, you can still get it, right? You yes. know that you can. Yes, yeah. yes. So we've been looking back into that now. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is what I what I loved about the process, and if I and look, we're already talking about flipping our house and selling it. So mm -hmm. I'll be calling you, Andrew. But yeah, um, I like that. What I love is um, really filled your well interview your realtors mm -hmm. because one that can communicate really well with you not so much communicate understand your wants is a beautiful thing right. so really you know i could say like oh i want an older home in the country in this school district with a little pond mm -hmm. but a realtor who takes that little extra dive into like how you want to live your life and what you see yourself doing in the next five years in that home and that's where I think the rubber meets the road and you can be a really successful right. buyer. And so um, they should call you. Yes. That's what they should do. Which it's funny you say that because I'm like, yep, that's great. There's two struggles with that. One, mm -hmm. the market. Uh, and then two, it depends on obviously the buyer. Mm -hmm. If like I've working, um, working with one um, now and they're looking for in-law suites. And so yeah. they are going to rent. They're going to sell their house. And so they'll have time. Yeah. Um, but sometimes, you know, it's tough whenever the market is as it is in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And uh, you want to listen and meet all those needs, but sometimes you're limited by the inventory. You know, I um, cannot imagine so in other what words, it would be like to be yeah. you. <laughs> and on the buying side of it, it's being patient, too. You know, yeah. you really have those needs. And I also add is communicate to your yeah. agent. Yes. Because, you know, buyers will change parameters and they won't always communicate. That's it. right. And, you know, if the agent doesn't happen to pick up on it, then they're frustrated, you know. It's funny that you say that, and you're right. Um, that's a great tip for buyers because my husband and I, we would find things, we would continue to look, even though we had a realtor that was working hard right. to find properties based on what we had told her, we would continue to look, and when we would find something, we'd send it to her, and she would say to oh, okay, I didn't realize that it was acceptable to have this additional piece or not right. have this piece and or we'd say, price point or whatever. right and we'd say well so. you know as we were looking and so both doing that created the communication to say here's where we could give and take right. and um right. 
yeah, do do your part as a buyer to help mm-hmm. look because that only communicates more and mm-hmm. more and more deeply to your realtor that what you're right. what you're willing to, to do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really that's really good, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, cool. Well, sounds fun. So a buying thank- a home is fun. <laughs> Yes, it is. (laughs) So thank you so much for joining me this morning, Ricky. Thank Um, you for having me. I look forward to um, hanging out and hopefully being on the board in the near future. Pretty sure that's going to pass at 100%. Well, that would be Mm -hmm. great. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I look forward to being involved in a gala. I I couldn't come last year because I was, uh, we were on vacation, but I already looked this year and we'll be in town. Um, and then also, y'all are having an open house in yes. this month, right? End yes. Of the month? Come see our new home in Goodlettsville, 500 Professional Park Drive, um, July 21st, 7 to 9. Mm-hmm. Oh, come and go on your way to work. Um, grab some coffee. Check out our space. Meet some of our staff. And Now, here's an idea for that open house. How about you rent a Trans Am? And you take people cruising you know, down 386. I mean, if <laughs> I could awesome. figure out how to work that into the mission without spending taxpayer donors' dollars, I will get that done for you. Uh, that would be fun. Uh, <laughs> but at present, we have a golf cart to get you from okay. the top of the parking lot to okay, the bottom. Good. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah. Just put a little firebird in yep. the yep. on the Well, we can do that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Well, <laughs> Thank that'll you. be it. What a great interview that was. Enjoyed hearing more about what the organization does, and how others can help. Obviously, mental health is a big deal, and there's a lot of great resources out there. So if you are struggling with something in that area that she talked about, please reach out. Let your family know. Let your friends know. Let your church know, because it is a uh, it can be a big deal. I also have a few reminders throughout the month of ways that you can uh, get involved with Tennessee Voices for Children. Um, Again, if you have any questions regarding them, check them out on Facebook, on Twitter, and on website, TN Voices. Make sure to tune in to next week as I will be sitting down with Brandon Hutchinson with Legacy Mutual Mortgage. And actually for the rest of the month, we'll be focusing on lending aspects, credit repair, as obviously that all pertains to buying a home. And it's pretty important to make sure you got all your ducks in a row as far as the financing goes. And then also I'll be sitting down with Aaron Loy. Uh, He'll be playing a couple of songs in the Rambler and we'll get to know him. As always, thank you so much for listening to this episode and a reminder that I am a local realtor in the Nashville market with Benchmark Realty. If you have any questions regarding buying or selling, we'd love to help you out, sit down with you, give you some advice and tips um, and walk you through that process. Also, if you're um, looking for an agent and you're outside of Nashville, reach out as well. I have access to a database and I can uh, put you in uh, or I can connect you with um, other agents in your area as well. Um, Look forward to next week. And also, thanks for listening again and enjoy your day. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Music City Real Estate Show. If you enjoyed our program, please leave us an iTunes rating and review and subscribe. For more music and valuable insights each week into Nashville's real estate landscape, send your comments, questions, and ideas to podcast at buckwalterimpactgroup.com. And remember, don't give up until you find the property that's right for you. See you next time.